0: hit Our dark and gritty soft reboot stage here on Future Please, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph.
1: And I'm also a sweet leaper who was finally awoken. I'm your co host, Peter. If you are listening to this episode when it releases, I
0: have good news.
1: That's oh, uh, March 2nd, 2023, in case anybody in the future. Oh, no, March cares. 9th.
0: We're recording it on March 2nd. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if you're listening to this on March 9th, Then set your clocks for 9 p.m. Eastern on March 16th, because that is when we're going to do our our live Season 2 Enterprise Rest in Peace episode. We will do it on Twitch, much the same way we have done all of our other live episodes recently. There will be some social media stuff out there, easy links to follow on Discord, Facebook groups, Twitter, etc., etc., And we hope that you will tune in. We will discuss the highs, question mark, lows, exclamation point <laughs> of this particular adventure. And we'd love to hear from you, your questions, your takes. And I also think I will give my my half season review at that point of Picard and spare you all takes until then.
1: Thank so, you, by the yeah, way. You're welcome.
0: So I hope you'll uh, turn out for that. We've had a great time with that recently.
1: Uh, Before we start getting into today's episode, I was catching up on some of our social media and there was a suggestion made by Archadich Jack. Uh, And I think it's a great idea. It's something I'd like to implement. Okay. That and I think it would have really applied better to the first two seasons. So it's a shame I didn't see this till just now, but uh, he has suggested that we, at the end of each episode, kind of like a moral of the story or like a G.I. Joe knowing's half the battle, like little educational portion. <laughs> we examine what has happened to the crew of Enterprise on their maiden voyage through the Alpha Quadrant. And we add a rule to the Starfleet Standard Operating Procedures Manual based on what happened in that episode to kind of replace the old... Uh, rules of acquisition we used to do in the the yield days
0: i like this and even though we are entering a new narrative format here i think it will still have its opportunities so uh starting here with this
1: episode presuming you have a i think we should start next one because there's going to be so much
0: okay i mean like any any good bit
1: like any good bit you know it's there to tease the the bad parts and i think we're going to have a hard time finding those on this guy.
0: Sorry, guys, we're, we're not going to, we're going to just tickle the balls. We're going to strike the shaft this time. We're going to wait. We
1: have to wait. Speaking of. Um, tickling and teasing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There was a hater. There was a, there was an, the lone objector <gasps> when we did no. our uh, initial thoughts and feelings on us moving from Voyager into Enterprise coming from Jamie. Do you recall this? The 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 survey we put up? I do
0: recall that there was a dissenter, but I tend to just ignore things I don't like. So I don't remember this.
1: <laughs> it was uh you know, had you tried to watch and you know what what your thoughts on Enterprise was. And I think she was the only like hard I hate this. So Lo and behold, my surprise. <laughs> yeah, she did confess she watched all of it uh, on Discord, didn't she? Yeah, she did. The, the The person who had the hardest, no, I want nothing to do with Enterprise. All right. I went back. I made a timeline. January 22nd, she had begun season three, right? And again, we're in uh, March 2nd right now. So she had already moved ahead of us in viewing by... February 12th, she had finished off season three. Uh, February 13th, she began season four. And on 225, she had finished off all of Enterprise. So if that Ooh. isn't <laughs> if that little binge there from from the premier hater isn't encouraging as to what's in store for us and these wild claims that you've been making for years at Enterprise Uh, and i quote gets good then i don't know what is
0: it certainly gets better (laughs) i don't think that that would be a difficult uh a difficult feat for any program to surpass what we have endured Uh, but this episode really is the first step in that direction and boy they um they throw the brakes on the old version of this show and right quick
1: and turn it around. So the show we're talking about is season two, episode 26, the expanse first aired the 21st of May, 2003. This is Rick Berman. This is Brandon Braga. This is directed by Alan Croker. Uh, And it's all hands on deck to stop fucking around. And here's my, Here's our homework, Joe. Mm -hmm. We got after this episode, we're going into our season two rip. And on top of all the awards and everything else, I want us to look back on the previous two seasons and pick out what episodes. Anybody with. uh, With 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 a with a solid disposition should realistically Bother to waste their fucking time with. Because as far as I'm concerned, this episode right here marks where Enterprise begins. And I know we've had some good ones in our past, but sitting right here talking with you, I'm hard pressed to really come up with anything off the top of my head. We're like, yeah, this is a you absolutely need to see this episode. Somewhere in season one, season two, prior to episode 26. Uh as as necessary previous viewing because i think realistically you could probably just go right into enterprise starting here and use context clues to fill in any gaps that might exist i legitimately was told when i asked
0: and i i when so let me tell a story by also giving some context to what happened with why this show suddenly changed the way that it did, or at least how it was perceived at the time. I didn't bother really keeping up with enterprise. I finished Voyager Enterprise, like with a million other people didn't interest me very much. I was in college. So, you know, my, my TV uh, consuming habits was on the decline anyway. And I had to be told uh, after the fact, like, no, actually the show got really good in season three and season four. And it's really worth watching. got more serialized, blah, blah, blah. And I asked, like, what do I need to start? Where do I need to start watching? And they only said, did you watch the premiere? Yeah, you know enough then. Just start on the last episode of season two and watch the whole thing from there. So even at, like on a, on a contemporary basis, like when the show had just gotten into this phase and, and was near its completion, that was the logic. There was no reason to watch anything in season one or season two, aside from the very first episode and this one. So I'm with you, like trying to find like, is there anything in between that's really, really worth watching? I would say shadows of Pajem and ceasefire. That's it. Ceasefire, the, two the, Andor An- the two Andorian episodes
1: yeah. with Shran that are really important. I mean, as much as I enjoy stuff like Space Trucker Part One and then Warp Two Blues slash Space Trucker, like deciphering the economy of the 21st or whatever the hell uh, century this is. 22nd, yeah. Is interesting, but it's by no means like critical. So I have to sit there and look at my notes and really see if there was any must haves in there. But the the advice that you were given, I think is sound. And also by starting, if I was to go to a friend or someone who had never watched us before, and, you know, my jury's still out to see what season three and four actually look like. But if I was to tell someone, hey, start at season two, episode 26, watch that Ford, And if you like it, loop back around to the front uh, and basically treat that as like bonus DVD content, because there are some genuinely good episodes in there. And. You know, I think it'd be fun to go back and watch those after the fact Be like, oh, that's really interesting that that makes a lot of sense. I see why that, you know, like cool DVD bonus content, not you need to see this to understand why Jedi's use lightsabers and what the force is.
0: It really is just the episodes with Tran, just establishing Archer's relationship with Tran, because that continues to come up for the rest of the show and is important to the meta plot as it ends up existing. That's it. And those happen to be very good episodes. So, you know, two birds with one stone. Yeah, Susie Plaxton, right? Yeah, Susie Plaxton is involved there. You know, mm-hmm. you need an Amazonian-sized woman with, with antenna, uh, mm-hmm. with boots. I or no one else. Listen, I, I teased it last week. 9-11 gritty terrorist plots were all the rage in this time and in this place 20 years ago in America. You couldn't escape it. Uh, this this happened right before Battlestar Galactica came out. So that came that came out at the end of 2003. This was mid 2003. This is when you had 24. Uh, you had everyone had uh, dark, gritty terrorist plots. It was just the national mood, and obviously up to this point, things had not been working for Enterprise. It was the biggest show in the UPM, but that wasn't saying much. It was uh, had lost its initial uh, audience uh, to, to the degree that it was concerning to the future of the production of the show.
1: And rightfully so. Yeah, I cannot blame a single person who dipped out on this motherfucker. And certainly if you and I were not doing a podcast and, and oath-bound to watch this stuff, if I was doing this out of leisure, I would have followed Jamie's uh, lead. And after that first episode with the goddamn... Uh, Rub down in the decon room, and let's not under I mean, we just did. Uh, what was the last flocks decon bounty? Right, correct. Uh, you hit on it pretty hard. I didn't really say much about it, and again, maybe it's because that first round of her being a sexy sex thing was especially appealing to me uh, on that specific <laughs> night or <laughs> to whatever. Any, to any to any hero man, really. But it, that was a big turnoff in the pilot broken bow the the degree of sleaze that they went you know zero shed tears for this show for hemorrhaging viewership as fast as they did they earned every lost pair of eyes that they suffered
0: they determined that the way to go was to take a look back at what had worked in the past if the episodic space adventure stuff wasn't working maybe the super serialized ds9 uh path had some some potential to it right when turns out that stuff's about to become back more in vogue anyway because of just the mood of where fiction was in the aftermath of the U.S.'s major terrorist attacks so here we go what do we have you have a hell
1: of an opening
0: We, (laughs) we we got all the money spent is on this uh teaser which has just a little sphere little guy little dude, a little plane that wants to run into some uh, Twin Towers. It uh, shows up above the earth and shoots a super mega death beam directly into God's most favorite state, Florida.
1: Might as well be freeze up there, swiping his finger across uh, Namek, just cutting that bitch in half.
0: Just takes it and scratches it like does actually cut Cuba in half. (laughs) Like those poor guys, they had a real rough day.
1: You know, these graphics, they're not very impressive by today's standard, but, you know, they get the job done. And this is this is widespread horror and uh, uh, space terrorism on a scale that you won't see again until like the Klingon Federation war and discovery where, you know, it's just atrocities at every turn. This is nuts. And this is. Really the only criticism that I can kind of levy on this episode, because for something showing up and cutting a scar from Florida down to Venezuela, which I like the the memory alpha notes that <laughs> the geography that they're using to establish this damage pattern is bonkers and, yes. and cannot happen geographically speaking. Uh, for something being this big of a deal, the fact that it is never mentioned anywhere in any other property is um, awkward.
0: It is the prequel problem that if you have a major event that occurs but is not spoken of in the things that it it, it uh, proceeds in uh, the uh, actual production but is supposed to come before in mm-hmm. the timeline – uh, there's a discontinuity there. They actually tried to patch that in using the third JJ movie, believe it or not, uh, Beyond. I don't if remember that. But uh, the villain of that, played by Idris Elba, is supposed to be uh, a veteran of this era of Starfleet. Um, and he is one of the, the Makos, the Marines, that get mentioned in this episode as well. And he talks in that plot about how, like, they all, you know, all of his former military personnel friends all lost their purpose, with the Foundation the Federation and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, trying to, like, put a little bit of context of, like, people that would have lived through this era and how that colored the beginning of Starfleet.
1: So this mini Death Star shows up, cuts a huge trench from Florida down as Venezuela. Uh, no, no odd, no, like no dialogue or anything. This thing does its business, falls apart, falls down to earth, and roll credits. You know, we we get through the intro opening and uh, come into a meeting, and it's all the senior staff. Oh no, no, no,
0: no! You missed you missed a, a big thing before we got to the, the senior staff meeting. We had a different meeting on Kronos.
1: Oh yeah. And because
0: we've got another plot. We got we to wrap up a plot line. We've got a plot line we got to put to bed here. And that is Archer is still wanted by the Klingons. Probably the most interesting thing of season two. And uh, we've got the, I presume, the Klingon High Council having a conversation with Duras. Be like, this motherfucker got away from us again. Which is what we saw last week at Bounty. Uh, we need to put an end to this by killing his ass. That's what should have been the answer from the beginning. Can't believe he got off at his trial. Whatever, Duras, he fucked with you the last, you know, last time. Are you going to go out and fucking kill him this time? You want your honor back, buddy? You want to go? You want to go seal the deal? Go fucking get him.
1: Duras is like, okay, okay. No more jailbreak episodes, Duras. No, you just, understand us?
0: Just fucking kill him. Please. There's
1: one thing we've learned about these humans: they love jailbreak episodes. We cannot let this happen.
0: We're not yet <laughs> contemplating his need to avoid Duras with the express trip to the uh, the shoot style uh, garrotes to end all of the jailbreaks. Mm. That's Which... when we get to the we. That's when we get to the briefing room. Is after we have our little luchador cross. I like that they made a point of wrapping this up. By the way i think it's worked super well in this episode
1: i was not well you know let's jump to <laughs> the end there for a moment that so so duras is wrapped up in this because my impression it i thought <laughs> I,
0: mean,
1: I i figured that it was stranding duras in the expanse and that there was a chance he might pop up again as a like a I'm still hunting him. down. I, I don't my know. My brother in Christ, his ship got exploded. He is very dead. Since when does that kill anybody in Star Trek? All right. I mean, it
0: does usually kill them when you blow their ship up. It's usually very dramatic. If you're a good guy,
1: sure. But if you're a bad guy, you know, <laughs> escape pods, emergency transporters, staying alive on wreckage. Uh, you know, there's there's ways to keep bad guys going. If that's he's, your- he's dead, my brother. <laughs> it's it, it, the archer killed him It is the end of the plot So we go to the, the briefing It's not the briefing room It's, I don't know, the mess It's unnamed meeting room that has never been seen before uh, And no,
0: I, th- I think it has been seen But it was in that episode where they did the stupid We're gonna torture you to death Because T'Pol's in her super uh, Vulcan
1: clothes Yeah, and this is also Speaking of not Shadows of Pajems Ceasefire. This is where um, Shran meets with, uh, what's his face? Gary Graham. Anyways, so the the real weird thing is that Phlox is actually involved in this meeting too, which Phlox points out to this point has never happened. Archer shows up. Uh, I've uh, gotten off the phone with Admiral Forrest. There's been an attack. Our mission is canceled. We're being recalled. We've had a space 9 11 hit the gas, Trav- uh,
0: Travis. We're, we're headed home. And so <clears throat> the 1 million
1: casualties that have been reported. This will grow to 3 million and eventually top out at 7 million people dead from this attack, spanning from Florida to Venezuela. This is a big fucking deal. Not only are we going home, we're going home warp five the whole way which we have never seen prolonged use of top speed of enterprise so big fucking deal
0: and and everyone treats it with gravity too um the uh what do you mean there's been a terrorist attack a lot of just not quite processing it and of course there is one crew member that is very keen on understanding war and that's trip because as we have so fondly remembered so many times he has Space Fortman his family he's got lives season there.
1: passes to Disney World absolutely you know and, and you know those are expensive so he's got some real skin in the game on this if you
0: don't get on that space mountain a few times every every season uh, you're not getting your money's worth you know mm-hmm. he's very he's, he's very conscious about that but he asks and no one's really able to give him information Right. There's a little real lack of information for the first third as to which
1: what's going on. Real shitty, because as we establish in that Snorfest uh, first flight. Admiral Forrest and Archer and Trip and Action Grandpa are like beer buddies, right? Yeah, they're all boys. So Admiral Forrest knows goddamn well that Florida man's from Florida. He could have like provided some sort of like picture and but like if your family lived anywhere in this part of the state, you have our condolences instead he just leaves this dude out there wondering, which is very cruel of Admiral Forrest. It's supposed
0: to you know I understand that they're trying to build some tension for the for the audience sure. so that you're wondering along with trip like how that's the intention, but It does feel like something that they would be able to immediately tell him. That would be the very first thing everyone would know of like, it started in Miami and cut its way down. Like that's everyone would just know that that would have been communicated.
1: Now this, uh, this episode under Alan Croker, he's no David Livingston, right? Yeah. This episode ended up running long and they were forced to cut two scenes. I think there should have been a third scene where travis mayweather approaches um trip and goes listen man i know it sucks not knowing you for families alive or dead trust me my dad died and starfleet sat on that email for like <laughs> six weeks before i was able to find out so you know i i know it seems cruel and like you're being singled out here like why wouldn't uh, admiral force tell you if your sister is dead but trust me man it's just do we, we work for a bunch operating. of
0: seditious, ba- sadistic <laughs> bastards.
1: They they don't like to tell us things. You know, they're just assholes. Speaking of assholes, they're flying back, maximum warp, and who who comes creeping up on the Enterprise other than them putty boys, the Sulaban. <laughs> so which I was really excited to see. Yeah, all the plot lines
0: are showing up today, so that means Uh, Silic and his and his. L- very uh, dangly lads need to suddenly bamf abo- aboard the NX01 and effortlessly steal away the captain. Calling into question all of these times that they seem to have been stymied by him in the past. Apparently, he's not actually a challenge if they want to assert themselves.
1: Well, I mean, if you've got cloaking devices, oh, yeah, uh, and transporters, and there's no shields on Enterprise, and you can also crawl on the ceiling and, you know, do cool ninja shit like. That's part of being genetically modified assassins uh, sponsored by the future. You get to do cool shit like that. So uh, all the Suliban they show up, they surround Enterprise and warp. Archers like, hail him before he can hail. We get some bad CGI of them crawling on the ceiling. And then their archer is over on the, the, the Suliban vessel. Silic shows up again. I'm, I'm happy to see this guy. I always enjoy his presence on screen. Hello, John. Uh, yeah, it's just the way he talks. And and I, fact I just love it. his voice. He's a very. Um, uh, the gentleman villain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, good breeding. Good genetic breeding. Hey, uh, y- you got to go talk to someone. Read that as a Zordon. Was it Zordon? <laughs> Zordon, yeah. Zordon. Yeah, Zoran, so, and that you know, of course, the, the Sulu Power Rangers. You got to go talk to him. He's got some info for you. Stop so, acting like a bitch. Well, does it, because these guys are the Putty Boys. Is, is this Rita Repulsa? Well, that's <laughs> I mean, the twist. You know, is, is they're <laughs> actually working on the same side the whole time. It was a it was a big mind game. Red flag. Silic doesn't know anything about the attack because Archer's immediately blaming him because he has been an
0: antagonist, of course, of him uh, for a while here. Uh, But he gets pulled in to talk to Zordon, and Zordon lays him out like, yeah, so I know exactly what happened. uh, And here is the story. Uh, This was done by a group called the Zindi. They have done it because they were told that they are going to be destroyed by humans in 400 years. And this is all linked to the big old temporal cold war plotline, And so someone is trying to change space time by convincing these dudes they have to genocide. They have to strangle humans in their crib so that they don't themselves get killed.
1: You know, they're doing the same thing. to Borgar. you know, they're, they're doing the old Terminator, go back in time and fuck with them. Uh, Zordon who, you know, his representation on screen is just a shadowed out man. And my imagination runs wild based on you saying that they never flesh the sky out on screen, despite, you know, there being stuff saying who he's supposed to be. I personally would like to, you know, hope that it's like, uh, Emperor Palpatine.
0: <laughs> it's like fucking with a different dimension.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because he had
0: all that time while he sat on that planet for rise of Skywalker, right? You had nothing Ugh. to do but fuck with the
1: Star Trek universe. Uh, but he identifies the Zindi sponsors as a, Third faction, right? Because you've got the shadowy man, and then you've got the Time Federation, which is what Daniels uh, is representing. But these guys are a third faction; they were not supposed to be a part of it. They're unwelcome. It's like you know North Korea or something, getting in and getting dirty. Someone is advising the
0: Zindi or assisting them, and that is the X Factor Group. And the weapon they built was a prototype. And whatever other one they're building is going to be enough to destroy Earth. will be actual factual Death Star. So the, the, the fate of the planet is, in fact,
1: on the line. Archer's acting real bitchy and petulant, but he's listening. They send him back over to the ship. Archer tells everybody what's going on. We get a really good scene between him and uh, Paul who has been skeptical. And by the last time we touched the temporal cold war arc, she was almost out of her shell. Uh, Archer. And that that's another kind of um, criticism I'll have of this episode. And certainly in the wake of nine 11, I'm sure all Americans felt much more emotional on certain subjects. The amount of distance we've had since nine 11 and then viewing pieces from this like the the drama level is i feel like turned up way too high there's a lot of unnecessary interpersonal conflict and arguments in this episode most notably is going to be trip blown up on reed
0: yeah um i think that this is an artifact of its time the the over-reliance on on emotion because that's was part of the mood you know, yeah. was to was all of this anger and, and indignant feeling. And yeah, you're absolutely right. 20 years of distance definitely makes one consider that with a, a, a
1: far, uh, a very altered perspective. I mean, could you imagine next gen cast acting this way with each other?
0: No, no.
1: Uh, Arch was like, listen, you know, God damn it. Basically en- enough with this doubting of time travel. Like we know this shit's real. I need your support, not your skepticism. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've run into this enough times, to Paul.
0: You need to back me up when we start to talk about how we this whole time thing is just just keeps turning up. It's not it's not just in my head, and it's certainly not in yours. Do they say how long it takes for them to get back to Earth? I don't think they said exactly how long it took them to get back, but one presumes it probably took a while.
1: I would have to think. I mean. Um, they've had a so little bit. You know. They've had a couple back and forth, and gr- granted, most of the time, you know, they're they're stationary, observing and doing science stuff. It's not like they were just flying at warp five away from Earth. But
0: right, they're going, you know, all
1: kinds of different, you know, directions as yeah. they continue to go out further. They're they're trying to, you know, get a place the Voyager way, which is every shooting ladder you come across uh, to divert you. But uh, Archer gets called back to the bridge, Captain, there she is. There's the Earth Sun. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So they're fucking close. They're Damn. real. They, they're they in the solar system, right? And you know who doesn't care about uh the the borders of Soul?
0: No, no. Duras don't give no shits whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting hot and just starts uh putting it to the NX-01 and
1: demands Archer. What a stupid motherfucker this guy is, right? Like, you clearly have had access or have been shadowing them for a while every time duras decides to pick a fight with enterprise it's the worst uh geography possible this time it's going to be like right up on starfleet's backyard so you know you can basically guarantee you're going to have extra ships popping out of nowhere to fucking jump you later on it's going to be in you know uh neverland boogeyman land where his his backup flies away but yeah like you said they start hitting enterprise he's not out to destroy enterprise he wants archer which i'm assuming he's still working on the dead or alive mandate that uh salar or whatever that guy's name was i think he this might be just a sop on the fact that they
0: still don't want to start a war with earth so they would prefer just to get archer and leave the rest of his crew alive more than anything it is kind of the conceit from the original capture of him, which we still never saw, but something happened that Archer got captured and Enterprise was left whole and was actually able to attend uh, his his trial. So Duras shows up, starts shooting them up, uh, gets their phaser cannons offline, so they only have their shitty torpedoes. Things are looking a little dark, but when you're close to home, and your homies see that you're in trouble. They come running out. And sure enough, three other Earth ships roll in and start shooting up Duras. And he decides he's had enough. <laughs> and he leaves. And the very first question these Earth ships ask are like, who the fuck was that guy? <laughs> like, John, what are you doing out
1: here, bro? <laughs> like, Why are people following you in
0: and shooting you up? Like, what's Bro,
1: this going- ain't Oasis. What are you doing training these uh, sand giants? <laughs>
0: like- Come To so the man. zone
1: wall, man. Come on.
0: No, 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 no. We're the city guard.
1: We're just gonna we're gonna beat the mob down and that's it. We're not getting any treasure. Interesting note here is that the Klingon ship has shields. Which it does. I don't think we have encountered any other aliens yet that uh have made mention of force field shields around the ship. So the Klingons pretty- are the uh, only
0: like well no, the Vulcans have shields. So Do
1: they? Yes. Hmm. So Vol- Vulcans are going to let the shields. fucking fed the Starfleet go out without, like, I get, like, not giving them better grade death rays, but, like, can't give them shields, you fucking assholes.
0: The difference between a polarized hull plating and a shield is a matter of degrees. Because a polarized hull plating is, is literally a pseudo field force field that's dissipating energy impact, which is what a shield does. It just, you know, out has it. It just does it out further and does it more completely where this is banging in on against the hull, rather if it succeeds or not. So it's not as effective.
1: So Archer gets back home. He meets up with uh, Admiral Forrest and um, Gary Graham's there. And Archer lays out what he encountered on the Sulaban vessel, talking to hologram future dude. And uh, he starts getting some pushback. Gary Graham, a.k.a. Saval, his character's name, mm-hmm. is not buying the time travel excuse. I love he lays on him. The Vulcan science director has determined that time travel is impossible, which is, you know, verbatim what uh, T'Pol dropped on him numerous times at this
0: point. But don't worry. Don't worry. Archer has brought with him a way to prove that there's time travel. And that is Those shadowy future guys think of everything. They're so considerate. It's, it's a, it's a scanner that lets him scan for uh quantum dating. So I, I consider me a bit skeptical that somehow an entire globe's military infrastructure is going to be convinced of the existence of time travel merely because One guy shows up and says, no, seriously, I just modded this thing so that it can detect the special particle that proves I'm not crazy. I I don't. Well, it's it's not super defensible. My
1: the way I took that scene was that they were just using standard Starfleet uh, scanners because he has one that he produces, but then. Uh, there's a second one that comes into play, so I think this quantum oh, that's true. Yeah, this quantum true. dating is something that a, a technology that they have readily available. Why would you quantum date all the wreckage? You have no reason to think that it's you know there's time travel stuff. So he take they go to some fucking cargo bay. It's probably the same place they launched the NX uh, test pilot out of. <laughs> it it d- <laughs> definitely seems like it's the same one. <laughs> There's armed security standing around. This is like their Area 51. He starts quantum dating stuff, and then he pulls some fucking Deep Space Nine Quarks cloaking device prop out and goes, well, look at this. This is actually registering as like negative 400, which means that this thing came back from the future. And that is a big curveball, which uh, Gary Graham points out and says, you know, everything you have said is that the future is able to communicate with the past, but they cannot directly pass them. Uh, items. So how is this happening? And uh, Archer says, well, shadowy guy doesn't know. That's why it's a big deal. But I think this is enough to warrant us following uh, the, the hot tip we have that these Zindi are at some coordinates we're supposed to go check out. So we Enterprise, Starfleet's best vessel, should leave Earth. And I'm guessing that they were called back to go into like a defensive duty. One presumes, like we've been attacked, call in everything, call in all
0: the assets, you know, call in the fleet. Whatever we're gonna do, we want to have everyone close to
1: Earth. Mm-hmm. Get all those space truckers out here. What
0: <laughs> they they know they know the ways of the lanes. Mm-hmm. They have the most powerful <laughs> pipes.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. They've been wielded for generation upon generation. Yes. These uh these space lane judges, juries, and executioners. Uh, but, so, you know, my my request is that I take Enterprise off um, what could be a wild goose chase. But I think we've got, you know, strong precedent here, which, again, had he been filing regular reports with uh, Admiral Forrest, maybe, you know, he'd have a little bit more credibility here since they've only dealt with this a bajillion times. Gee, if only he had a little bit closer relationship with Colonel Grot, who wanted to, you know, swap just, stories just about to help. who called out the temporal Cold War by name. Yeah.
0: I mean, you could go to him right now and be like, hey, grotty boy, what's going on? Grotmeister, you know? Sorry about that. (laughs) Sorry about the terrible prison break where I probably ruined your career and caused an interstellar war between our people and yours. Anywho, we kind of got attacked. Oh, we deserve it.
1: Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. All right. Got it. Gary Graham goes, we'll listen. Oh, I think before the end of this scene, too, he's like, let me let me see. Let me see the the cherry on top. And they go to the far corner of like space wreckage. And did you see in the wiki what this thing was? No. So they got the Zindi pilot Mm -hmm. in like a little cryostasis thing. The bed they pop him out of is actually the prop or the set piece from Voyager Aeroponics Bay. And it's the one in the episode Fury where future Kess shoves young Kess to like hide her away. Nice. Okay. So this thing's just made to be like unconscious person storage. While this is going on, we do have Tucker and Reed going to Florida, being in a PS2
0: cutscene scene where they're in front of the giant scar in the landscape caused by the weapon. Uh, there is a lie, which suggests that you could go that far underground in Florida and not have it immediately flood. Uh, but it is a very large chasm. It was a appeared. cauterizing wound. Uh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. And uh, the sad part is that this is, in fact, an area where Tucker's sister lived and no one has heard from her. Given the obliterated landscape, the obvious has been considered and that is Tucker's sister was, uh, was, was killed by the Zindi probe.
1: Yes. The weight of the Florida disaster completely obliterated and any sympathy or humanity in that scene completely drained out with their clay stop motion, bad humanoid CGI in this. when they're backing out on that panning shot. Like these guys just. They couldn't, they couldn't just go to Florida
0: or just like be out a lot <laughs> with palm trees behind them and storm clouds. Like, why'd you do a full of fake effect shot? Knowing Makes that
1: your human CGI is that bad where it looks like balloon people moving in slow motion.
0: It's, it's like, Cutscene from Fallout
1: Two. Yes, yes, that's, that's what exactly it looks, what the stuff looks. <laughs> like. That's what it looks like. Uh, back at San Francisco headquarters, Gary Graham begins what I think is the coolest part of this episode, and that is him saying, "Okay, let's let's suppose for a moment that you know we are going to believe your future man story here." Do co- you know the coordinates that you know he's sending you are? And you're like, no. And he's like, well, it's the Delphic Expanse.
0: And is like,
1: what is that? Okay, <laughs> well, what's that? And it's like, yeah. basically, it's fucking hell. And that is a no-go zone for all of us spacefaring people. Uh, we have sent many ships in. Only six have ever come back. Uh, it is a crazy, lawless place with super aggressive species and also... There's areas where like the laws of physics do not apply. And there was even a Klingon vessel 20 years ago that went out. And when it came out, everybody was anatomically inside out and still alive. And it was super gross. And uh, this is like a, this is a no, no zone. So, so
0: so Saval says that and everyone blows it off, right? Like, yeah, whatever. It's the Bermuda Triangle. Who cares? Whatever. Blah blah blah. Space, space legends don't care. It. The part that's really cool is that scenes later. Right. This is what I thought you were about to get to. Scenes later. There's another scene in our in in Admiral Forrest's office where where Saval's like, "No, I need you guys to understand this place is hell," <laughs> and rolls tape <laughs> on. A like visual record of a Vulcan ship that went into the expanse, and it's basically PG Event Horizon, PG thirteen Event Horizon. Because yeah, it's like, like community theater of blood happen.
1: It's it's community theater Event Horizon. It is amazing, and <laughs> it, I I was already sold on this like plot element just based off of Suval's description. And what an amazing bro thing of Saval to like even bring this shit up in the first place. Right. Like this shows the bridges that Saval has established. Again, going back to the Pajem ceasefire episode. Right. Right. Which ends with him saying, you know, Archer, you have not been entirely meddlesome or whatever the the phrasing was like showing that Saval's warming up. So even though Saval's like being a real doubting Thomas about this uh, time travel thing. Like when he's saying, listen, these coordinates, you're going to get your butthole turned inside out and the rest of your body with you. Like, I don't like you, but I don't hate you the way that I'd like a year ago. I'd be like, oh, that motherfucker Archer's going to go off to yeah. like, yeah, go
0: find out, go fuck around and find out. Oh, you know, he's going off
1: to the, the ghettos of East Cleveland. Good. See you later, buddy. Yeah, wear your nicest shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Ask for
0: directions.
1: (laughs) Make sure you hit hit that gas station at 3 a.m. Yes. You're going to have a great time. Also, put a big gold chain around the outside of your hull so people know that you're wealthy. Uh, No, you are going to low budget Event Horizon hell. I I was actually, well, I mean, you couldn't get away with putting actual Event Horizon in there the same way they did in uh, Random Thoughts with Tuvok's Dirty Choke Daddy fantasies. Uh, but it was cool headcanon that, hey, this is a problem. Him actually showing this, like, community theater rendition of Event Horizon. Uh, Vulcans, like, tearing each other's eyes out, banging their heads against walls, ripping people in half. The whole time, I'm just kind of like, who's the cameraman? Is this just the computer? <laughs> was this the computer, like, uh, okay, I'm gonna get a sweeping shot of all the chaos here to feed back. Like, what kind of
0: This guy's coughing (laughs) up a fountain
1: of blood and the other
0: guy's putting on his face. That seems like something I should collect.
1: I hate working for these guys. Like, it's just like some real over it AI. Like, these guys suck. They're always assholes. And I'm glad to see this happen. So, yeah, that ship, I think he said it was only gone for like, what, three days or something before it came back doing that. And then uh, blew up. There was no mechanical failure detected. (laughs) it's like they just blew themselves up so this is some great ghost stories and this is a level of cool storytelling that we haven't seen in this series yet i want to say this this is probably
0: the most gruesome real talk no seriously you're going to the bad place kind of warning i think you can can legitimately say has ever happened in burman era trek right like here's some community theater event horizon guys this is your future are you
1: sure you want to do this? So. Archer's like, what is this supposed to discourage me from going? And like, yes, <laughs> like what's wrong with you, stupid ape. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be a bro. Like we are in a partnership and you've legit helped us out. Like this is me helping you guys out. I think this is a bad idea. Also, we're going to be recalling our science officer because this is a bad idea and we're not going to lose people there. But before we get to that point, Yeah, Uh, like you said, like, uh, you know, he he says, hey, you know, you might want to think twice about this. No, we're going to have our resolve. Like you said, there's a quick uh, meeting between Phlox and Archer and Vulcan science dude where they're like, yeah, we know we've discovered that there's uh, some sort of goofy radiation coming off this. We're going to need to inoculate you and check you out. And over the course of the quick examination by the Vulcan. Who is asking some very leading questions that are not that Vulcan, and things seem kind of fishy. Flock uh, dips off and starts doing some stuff on a computer before coming over, huffing, saying, "You know, this is over. I've just discovered that you know there is a doctor, so and so, but he's on assignment somewhere else." And I'm just like, "And this is how you're confronting an imposter? It's not like coming up and popping him with a fucking hydro spray, because when you're dealing with..." the Suluban, who are shape-shifting super spy bad actors. Like this is some real low operational security here in a very sensitive situation.
0: I mean, he's, he's is who he says he is, but he's just, he's a psychiatrist. Not Oh, I missed it. I yeah, thought yeah, he was it was a different specialization. He was clearly there in the false pretenses and gets run out. So it's the first sign of like Vulcan's kind of being fucky. Uh, When they get back from the commercial break, which is after the PS, the Fallout 2 cutscene, it is Archer and Forrest, and they're looking at the NX-02 being built. So the Columbia is is going to be the second ship in the class.
1: 14 months out, though.
0: And it's going to be a second, and um, it apparently is going to have some more high-tech things in it, but some of that's actually going to be on Enterprise, as we find out. And as part of this conversation, the mission has been authorized enterprise is going to go to the expanse and uh, Archer has contacted the earth military and has asked for, for dudes. Uh, My, my weapons officer can't hold a gun. (laughs) So I've decided to hire some Marines. We don't see them in this episode. They obviously show up in the next season, but they, These are the Makos. They are legitimately actually Marines and are military officers unlike the paramilitary Starfleet.
1: What Archer doesn't realize is that by having a completely clown security force, it's like there's a weird like flaw merit in play, a flaret in play, where it's like your dudes suck, but it's all Jar Jar Binks, so even though they're complete fucking clowns, no one ever dies, even though they have, like, no business. Like, it's just pure luck, right? That they they squeak through everything. I have a feeling now that they're bringing, like, serious business to the table, uh, the the training mode is off, the, uh, the tutorial levels are over, and people are going to start fucking dying.
0: <laughs> you know how we've noticed this was an episode with only bad gunfights and really amateurish, you know, kind of confrontations? Well... They really lean into the fact that the ship now has a like a special forces platoon on it to go way, way higher on the gunfights <laughs> very, very quickly. By the way, we can look at some Born identity level, like exfiltration going on in, in season three.
1: They get their photon torpedoes are photon torpedoes, photonic torpedoes, or That's are those what they separate call things?
0: They call them that in this episode. I think it's to indicate that are a less advanced version of photon torpedoes by calling them photonic, but they look like it. They sh- they shoot like it and they sound like it. So, uh, yeah, they get they ditch their shitty s- spatial torpedoes. And finally, they have the big daddies.
1: Which, you know, you can control the yield, which if you're shooting a fucking torpedo at something, it should be to wreck it, not tickle it. So I that was kind of a silly point. It's during this that uh, Reed completely uh, triggers trip. You know, he's just asking gently about which is uncharacteristic for Reed to show any compassion to anybody being the lizard nanny is. Uh, but trip flies off the handle and, you know. Don't worry about me and my family. clip bringing up my dead sister. Get these fucking guns online so we can murder everybody who is involved in this like. Trip's taken a very dark turn, and you know, rightfully so, his family's died, and its uh, stakes are certainly higher at this point.
0: Yeah, him flipping out on Reed though makes very little sense, considering Reed f- felt enough to go along with him to inspect, you know, what happened in in the disaster zone itself. So it's like, of all the people, you should probably have a rational reaction to has showing you sympathy. It should probably be Reed, like him flipping out on like Travis. Or or Hoshi makes a lot more sense, right? Like some much younger subordinate who's trying to offer a bunch of sympathy
1: that he's not interested in. Also, too, you know, there was Shuttle Pod one. These guys have history. They're uh, supposed to be dudes, you know. Yeah, you know, they, they went through a near-death experience together. So I'd almost say that, you know, short of Archer, this should be the person that the the guy on the ship that he's like the most dude with but uh, i you know the miss here for me in all of this is that they spend a lot of time fixing the damage that duraz caused on the attack like i know at some point there's supposed to be a massive retrofit of enterprise to look closer to like constitution where they add like a secondary hull and stuff yeah that was intended for season five well this is where it needed to be like if you're gonna have this big of a shift in like how the series is operating the distance out that this thing is going, like just adding photon torpedoes. Was there any visual change to the outside of the ship? I felt like the nacelles might've looked a little different.
0: I think they preserve there's some more changes they roll out next season. Cause obviously that's when you can build new sets. That's when you can kind of more firmly establish. I think they did the torpedo thing cause they could effectively do it without changing anything for Mm -hmm. this last season episode of the season you know uh it just represented like no the nx01 is now no longer getting kicked around by everything now it's like a peer ship with the things that it's interacting with it's more capable so it seems more credible that it's being sent out on this mission you know like (laughs) i think it was effect it was an effective tool in that
1: all all the nx01 has done is get its ass kicked by real klingons And also the next one was sent out as an exploratory vessel. The guns weren't even installed. You know, they were not going out there with the intention of looking for trouble. And that is explicitly what they were doing here. Uh, And that's being expressed both in getting the military presence aboard the ship and the weapons upgrades to the ship. And that's something I'm really looking forward to. You know, it's something we did not get in Voyager because of the nature of the show and where the ship was staged. Like there was no, upgrades there was no uniform changes like they got the new phasers and the new tricorders but like normally that fun part of like hey where's the new money coming in between episodes what are they where are the new props like i'm looking forward to seeing how those end up looking
0: so uh, after that is when you get the
1: the community theater event horizon
0: and Saval wants to pull to paul off the mission and Paul's not really in a position to refuse. So the negotiation is that Enterprise will take Paul back to, to uh, Vulcan
1: themselves. On the Somewhere loop, on in there, the way. there is a pretty good scene. And I really enjoy these Phlox Paul scenes, them being the two oh, aliens yeah. on the, sh- the ship. Uh, Paul's acting like she's surprised that Flox is sticking around. And Phlox says, well, you know, the way I see it, uh, he needs me the most right now. And you know, as far as you go, uh, you know, this it's the same deal for you as this loyalty to high commander, loyalty to Jonathan Archer, and that seems like it's a direct, you know, uh, bullseye in pushing the buttons she needs to to change her mind on that.
0: As they leave Earth space dock,
1: you know, obviously,
0: Forrest says, "Good luck, Godspeed." You know, we're all counting on you out there, John. Duras apparently is close enough by to see Enterprise leaving. So, oh, we...
1: real quick, before they do part ways, there is throwaway dialogue that there's a chance that some of the Enterprise crew might not be going back out on the mission, and that's oh, one that's... of those deleted scenes. Oh, so the one those... they
0: needed to have in there too. There was yes. the you're talking about the one with Hoshi. Yes. I encourage people if you're interested to look this up. Like look up Star Trek Enterprise season 2 deleted scenes. It would it's basically the last one if you look up the the YouTube video that has them all in there. And first of all, it's a great character moment for Hoshi and that's probably why it should have stayed. And second, it is absolutely just more of the canon that the, these two were are exes, and that's the only way to describe how casual and comfortable they are with each other. Because the the premise is, Hoshi's oh, like half dressed in her quarters, pack looking like she's packing things up, and she you know someone knocks at the door. She says, "Come in," and sees it's Archer. And it's like, "Oh hey, what a nice surprise! Come on in. What what's going on?"
1: And, I'm just packing my belongings away. And uh, Archer's all, you know, uh,
0: how how things go with your parents. And she's like, uh, yeah, they were angry and shouted a lot in Japanese. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're talking about upgrades to the uh, uh, Universal Translator. And, you know, she he, she's kind of down on her own skill and he's bucking her up. And he is clearly interpreting her as leaving. Whereas as the dialogue goes on hoshi realizes that and makes it clear uh no john i'm i'm sending my stuff to my parents so i have more room for all of my mission material because we're about to go do some real dangerous shit did you think i was gonna leave the fuck is wrong with you dude you if think i was linda park
1: right <laughs> if i was linda park i'd be furious that they cut this scene out of here yeah it's the this best is- scene. she's have a show Her entire character arc through the first two seasons culminating in this moment here, because everything that a lot of what we had seen really the defining characteristic of Hoshi is that I'm here casually. My heart's not really in it. I came along as a favor. I'm not comfortable in space. Uh, I don't like seeing violence and death. I'm not cut out for this. And it has been a journey for her to get to a point where everybody else on the crew is that is I'm in it to win it. I'm in for the long haul and that I feel comfortable uh, with the realities of space and the hardships out here. So her having this moment to say, like, I've grown past my. My infant state and and I'm now one of you guys and I'm part of the team and we're going to get this done like it. It really sucks. They cut it. And I don't know where you would have taken time away from the rest of the episode. This episode covers we're at 59 minutes and there's still a significant amount of this episode left. It's again, it's one of those things you hit where like, how did they fit this much shit as much shit as they did into that 45 minutes? And they could have easily cut that stupid read,
0: uh, trip scene when he's like, bitching about the fact that reed cares about him and done this scene instead because this would have added way more
1: i completely agree with you yeah and they, they could have cut his sister dying so unless they're going to go into season three with reed being a fucking bloodthirsty lunatic who is you mean trap you mean trip trip yeah sorry and we're going to get to a scene between him and archer where he's basically expressing like i am now evil yeah, and I'm gonna I want kill to kill the Zindi. When we I want to them. torture people to get to the Zindi so I can kill the Zindi because uh, they have now pushed me over the edge. So unless they're really going to pursue that. Yeah, absolutely. They could have.
0: They're definitely going to pursue that, by the way. It's going to be a huge part of the season.
1: No, well, all right. Fair enough, then. But <laughs> I mean, it's, this is the terrorism
0: plot. What was the terrorism plot of every other thing? Are we going to torture them or not? I mean, Trip is the one saying waterboard the motherfuckers. Like that's, that's it. Like he, he's in, he's in this to punish these people. And that was definitely a very popular perspective to have represented in the gritty terrorism era. And we, we get that scene. We get them drinking after we have uh, the, the ship launched and where, 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 as you say, uh, Trip is like, I would like to be chaotic evil. Can we just roll into this joint and just fuck it up Can while they're say, drinking while we're drinking? <laughs> it's very it's like you want to talk about like you, this is some Alex Kurtzman track level darkness right now. Poorly lit scene. People are are drinking liquor, talking about how they're going to kill people. <laughs> like, this, is, this is a different this is a different side of 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 the uh, the Trek tracks
1: that we're used to uh they get out there and uh for being on red alert hey our earth just got fucked up real bad like they treat the fact that the klingons are attacking the flagship of starfleet in the home solar system like pretty casually i think if you had all the ships recalled you'd have a surplus of ships to like patrol the area and look for these motherfuckers they don't do that while they're drinking they start getting attacked. There's Duras jumping them on the way out, going, OK, you're not by your friends anymore. I'm going to get you now. And Archer's like, well, guess what? We got photon torpedoes. We're going to peel off enough of these bad boys to slow you down a little bit. We're not going to circle back around and like arrest anybody or blow you up or anything, because the plan is we're just going to fly a Vulcan to drop off uh, um, to Paul to Paul. So we can just, you know, train Duras over there and let the Vulcan city guards Exactly, Finite you know, he's
0: it's, it's got like eighty-seven percent health, and then the the sixty elites
1: show up and rah, 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 done, no problem. But so, while they're on their transport, in comes to Paul to have a little chat with Archer uh, while he's had his dinner party.
0: So Paul comes in and says, "I got to go on this mission with you. You need me to be your science officer." you're about to go into a very serious situation and you can't do without me. And I am prepared to resign from
1: Vulcan high command so that I can assist you with this mission. Even the wind up two that I thought was really good because it's our job. Yes. Like, I bet you're happy to get out of here because us hitting with emotions and the fact that we stink and he's, you know, bringing up all these things that she's complained in the past and everything he brings up, she says, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. And he's like, you know, you're really making it hard to part ways. And that's where she's like, I don't want to part ways.
0: Yeah, it's very Vulcan. He's she's not. She's being very restrained. But she's being very focused. Like, I am not. I don't want to leave. I'm going to indicate that by refusing to take these outs you give me. And then I'm going to make my case very clear. I need to be on this mission with you. There's a very clear case as to why I do. But she's only making this case because she wants to go because she has loyalty to these people. It's actually probably the best rendition of her be Vulcanness that I, I feel like I've seen fully play out in a single scene. You know, like that you can see her regard for her human colleagues in a very Vulcan way without it seeming too out of character or too emotional.
1: You know, it's it's a logical choice for her. And it works. It made me very happy to watch. And uh, whereas, you know, they cut a very important Hoshi scene out. Very glad they had this. Jumping back to our interactions with uh, Gary Graham, because he's like, here's the game plan. You got to go back to Vulcan because you've been with the humans for too long. You're going to hang out at Vulcan for about a year so we can like renormalize you. And then we can get you deployed back to San Francisco and probably, you know, the next 13 months. She offers some pushback there. I- <laughs> There was no discussion of her. What's her AIDS called?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I forget what that disease is called.
1: Yeah, I forget the name of the disease. Although, you know what? Maybe Gary Graham doesn't know that she's got. It. I think that was our, our verdict was that the science. director it. Yeah. Did not disclose to Vulcan High Command at large that she was infected with this. I'm fine with that being the way it is and us not having to examine if Gary Graham's looking past that or if he just, you know, is choosing to ignore, but that should be something that's weighing on her as well as that. Like, fuck the Vulcans. You know, they were cool with me dying and they were going to strip my command anyway. So like humans got my back and I need to have theirs. So they don't have to pick a new science officer. There's also a scene in their uh, back during trip revealing that he's now chaotic evil where he's, you know, admits that he's gone soft on uh, to Paul and that, you know, archers. Like, I thought you'd be the most excited to see her go, but he's like, it's cool. So they fly off. It takes what weeks to get out to the, the edge of the expanse seven weeks at top speed. So they go pretty far in a straight line to get out there. They get out there and they, it's like a Voyager moment, right? It's, There's a lot of Voyager feelings. What's happening here, going that far away from home base, being completely on your own, all sorts of new alien things. It's a cool moment. The uh, what's this expand the Delphi Expanse is surrounded by purple cloud nebulas. That by previous reports, it's going to take them six hours at uh, half impulse to try and clear this cloud. Which kind of like the Briar Patch and Insurrection. You know, you can't go full speed because it mucks up your radiator or whatever they so fly in.
0: they they enter the cloud everything's going pretty swimmingly you know for the first several hours they put down communication buoys so they can send word back what's going on what they're fighting out only to discover that not only duras but two other klingon ships have shown up and now they really want to fuck around and find out and you know archer just wants to get into this expanse and get on with the mission you know gotta (laughs) defend the homeland and he discovers that the ships are not going to want to go into the expanse because of the aforementioned you know klingons get turned inside out apparently in this place and it's haunted two of the three ships peel off so it's just NXO one v duras at the end and in order to get clean hits on Durash's ship because he's got all of his shields on the front. Uh, Archer turns to Travis and is like, can you pull a fancy maneuver and use that cloud to pull what I think he calls an L four.
1: Yeah. Do uh, a barrel roll, we'll, Travis,
0: which we'll get to see is pretty rad is get into the cloud and then pull a, a, a Yui in space and just flip around behind the guy without him knowing. So, pull a fucking Top Gun Maverick. You know, here's some. Air Mitch, Here's some Peer, uh, Pete Mitchell shit. <laughs> we got tone. And they fire off a bunch of torpedoes, and sure as shit, they blow the crap out of the uh, Bird of Prey and Duras' toast. Like, pretty authoritatively, too. There's like one more torpedo at the end that just like
1: blows the ship apart and uh, leaves it as a no doubter. Well, I doubted it. Again, I really thought that there was an opportunity here to have like Duras kind of pop up here and there to bother uh, Archer along his way in this. But uh, I I buy that this is a bookend on the Duras storyline. I kind of thought it would be cool too if they would have gotten there and like seen something bad happen to Duras and be like, oh shit, this place is serious business. But it's a great way to show that the Enterprise is more capable than
0: it was of like, yeah, we can actually handle a Klingon ship now if we need to. Maybe not all three, but at least one.
1: It also, and I don't know if they're going to follow this in, but like Enterprise takes some pretty bad shots between the initial attack on it, which granted was what, seven weeks ago. So I'm sure they repaired all that damage, but three AV one, like Enterprise gets fucked up pretty good. So they're go they haven't even gotten into the expanse yet. They're already down photon torpedoes, which, you know, that's your, my favorite pastime from Voyager's counting used torpedoes they've got some pretty significant damage and they're kind of limping along. So they're not exactly going into this very important mission to literally save the world, uh, on the best footing possible. And that's an interesting way to begin this. So, uh, yeah,
0: they, they definitely go in what I would call a mildly Battlestar Galactica route as season three goes on in terms of like the accumulation of damage on the NXO one, and then it's important to the season. So, um, I'm, they are going to follow through on that. They're not going to ignore that this
1: happened. They're giving both middle fingers to the ship in the bottle homeostasis of Star Trek Voyager. They're giving, they're giving
0: both middle fingers and they're finding six other middle fingers to throw up. <laughs>
1: like, just everything they never did before, they're about to start doing. Centerprise so Enterprise basically rides off into the sunset through the wreckage of Duras' ship. Yeah, uh, just just put a fucking some stank on it. Like, not only did I kill you,
0: I got to, like, do the walk through the explosion looking cool guy, except in
1: space. Yeah, you know, with your guts all over our whole...
0: Ka-plaw. And it's a really neat way
1: to <laughs> frame the series as, like, we're moving in a new direction. We have a purpose now. Yeah. There is a meta plot that people hopefully and... uh and you know in my case very obviously care about beyond this goofy temporal cold war there's real stakes at play um there is wild danger and mystery on the other side of this uh velvet curtain that turns people inside out and creates event horizon type chaos and and evilness and like you're moving into this unknown section i like the fact they don't show what it looks like and, and everything is just basically building anticipation while wrapping up old threads. It's it's not a cliffhanger, but it does it, it, it just en- it ends.
0: It ends with the story over, but is clearly meant to lead into
1: something bigger and hook you into it. Like best of both worlds. That was an agonizing summer of what's going to happen. Right, right. This, without it being a cliffhanger, still does, a, I think, a great, I can't wait to get into the next, you know, we we got to do the rip next week. Um I'm really looking forward into getting into season three and seeing where it goes from there. And again, jumping back to Jamie and her viewing habits, I think the the proofs in the numbers there that th- these hopefully are going to be real nail biter episodes drawing me in and, and building some continuity or not continuity, but just a driving force making me want to watch instead of like one bad gunfight after another. And, you know, these slapdash bullshit episodes. It's it's, final- always,
0: it's always going to stumble in parts because it's enterprise. But to say that it's a dramatic increase in quality is underselling it.
1: And again, where was the, this is season two episode 26. There have been 50 episodes up to this point. Like Why? Why did it take them this long? Like Rick Berman and Bran Branna could have done this at any point.
0: And I, I think we hit on it though when we talk, we're talking about the season in the middle of the worst of it. Is this just feels so creatively expended? It feels dead. It feels like they have nothing left to do with the episodic adventure format. They nothing to offer here, and they found creative new life by finding an entirely different lane to get into.
1: Why? Was- by- Was the point of season two, maybe season one was to like lay the groundwork. Maybe season two, they were just like, listen, we got to make this thing go seven seasons and we've got some big, crazy, great ideas, uh, but we don't want to pull out all the stops too early. So we'll just let season two fucking suck and fill up space and get paychecks. And then we'll like start the plan. Uh, at the end of season two and move into like the good stuff in season three. Like I almost feel like it it was just a deliberate play either, either a Braga and Berman wanted out and they were happy to hand the reins off to other people to just take care of the day in day out. Or yeah, they just said this is going to be a dump season. Let whoever in there, we don't care. And then we'll start getting real into season three.
0: Occam's razor. You know, I I think is the, the way to look at this sort of thing. And that is, they were just worn out. What they were producing just wasn't very good. They were had such an empire at this point, no one was telling them. It took a while for the message to get to the spot where it was being taken seriously. And so they started casting around for like, what what can we do that can really relaunch the show? And they caught the zeitgeist that was in the air, grabbed it, and and went in this direction everyone else did but in a Star Trek way, which turns out can be very compelling. Oh, I can intro the next one. All right, go change it. it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Our next episode will be season three, episode one, the Zindi six weeks into the Delphic expanse. The crew is tipped off by a freighter captain who knows a lone Zindi working on a remote mining colony. So, That's what they will start. We're going to meet all kinds of new characters. We're going to see all kinds of other new stuff. I'm looking forward to it, my man. But before that, we'll see everyone for the rip. See ya.